Yo, yo, what's up? It's Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies, and we're back again. Got part two, Deion Sherman from the Hoop Journal. He's coming in to uh, to give us the second half of his first round. What's up, Deion? What's up, man? How you doing? Doing well. Thanks again for coming on the last Thanks video. For me. Thought it did well. Got pretty good feedback and some interesting comments on 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 YouTube. It's always fun to hear what other people say. Mm. Your skin has to be a little thick because there's always somebody that's going to say something that's a little crazy, but, you know. Mm -hmm. that's, that's part of the fun, you know. Yeah, that's definitely part of the fun. All right, so let's get right into it. So, um, number 15. Now, this is your big board, not necessarily a mock draft. Right. All right, so number 15. Who do you have at, at 15 on your big board? 15, I got uh, Kyra Lewis Jr., um, he, you know, obviously the first thing with him is, you know, he's crazy fast. You know, he's got great quickness. Um, I think he's a really good ball handler. Um, I think he, the, my favorite thing about him, I think, is that he isn't afraid to be a three-level scorer. You know, a lot of guys, like, uh, they, they kind of either, they shoot threes or they go right to the rim, but he's someone that he'll shoot, he'll score from all three levels, you know, pull up in the mid-range, you know, he'll take whatever the defense gives him. I think is really important. You know, I think in order to be a high-level scorer, you have to be willing to score from anywhere on the floor. Otherwise, you kind of just become like a role player. So I really like that about him. And I think um, he's also great off the ball. He can cut really well off the ball, too. So he's not someone that needs the ball in his hands. But, I mean, he is a point guard, so he will have the ball in his hands a lot. Um, he can shoot threes off the catch and off the dribble. You know, his form isn't perfect, but he has a decent release. I think he's going to be a decent shooter. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have a, hit a lot of size. Um, you know, he's like 165 pounds or something like that. But uh, he is a pretty good defender, especially on point guards. So I don't think he's going to get, like, abused on defense or anything like that. Um, I just think he has a really good game, you know. And I think I mentioned this in part one, but I really hope he goes to the Magic. I think that's a perfect fit for him. But if it's 15 and 15, that's, that's perfect. Because right. I, I was just getting ready to ask you, what do you think would be the best fit for him? You said Orlando. I just read somewhere, and, you know, you can never tell with rumors, you know, these days, but it said Orlando would be interested in a trade with the Knicks for Dennis Smith. And so I wonder, like, if that trade goes through, if those rumors are true, where does that um, – you know, obviously they probably wouldn't take a point guard in the draft because they'd have Dennis Smith and, and Fultz or whatever. So I wonder what direction they would go. So do you think that Lewis has an opportunity or you think he has a chance of being selected in the lottery? Yeah, for sure. Um, another team I think he fits well with is actually the Knicks because um, I do think they're probably just about ready to give up on DSJ. So I think he could be a good fit there. Um, maybe, And then, you know, I think the Heat could really use him. I don't know if, you know, he's going to be available for them to take. But, um, yeah, I mean, anywhere that – and he seemed like he was a point guard. I think he would fit in well. You know, he doesn't really have a lot of holes in his game. I think he would fit in just about anywhere. Yeah, I mean, speed kills. Give him floor spacing or NBA spacing. And, mm -hmm. and he can beat guys off the dribble without without a screen. But if you give him a screen, and I think he's a good enough passer to be able to, um, you know, make defenses pay. Mm -hmm. um, only thing about him, I would say, is that if he can kind of work on his pace a little bit, sometimes he's – because he's so fast, he moves 100 miles an hour. So if he can, like, learn how to switch speeds, 
yeah he'd be really dangerous mm-hmm. yeah if he can learn that sort of like deceleration going to the rim i think that'd be big for him yep and i think um, it would open up his passing also yeah what do you think um what do you think is the next step for him like what do you think is most important for him to work on developing obviously getting stronger but that's the case with most yeah, guys that are not ready yeah. physically um but to me it would be switching speeds you know you look at like some of the best players in the nba they know how to switch switch gears to throw the defense off if he's if teams know that once he gets the screen he's going 100 miles an hour i think that um it doesn't necessarily allow certain plays to develop yep. so yeah if he can just kind of work on his timing and pace and switching speeds i really think that will make him a better passer they're obviously becoming you know, a, a better outside shooter. But I, I like the Miami fit. I think mm-hmm. that he won't be available for them. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, just the way their offense is, and you saw how how good Dragic was just getting to the lane off dribble penetration. Mm-hmm. And then they don't really have another guard that can get in the paint with, you know, just off straight dribble penetration. Because, um, you know, none is more so a scorer. Heroes, obviously, a shooter. But, right. yeah, I think if they just add that dynamic to their team, that would, that would really open it up for them a little bit more. Yeah, I like that. All right, moving down to 16. 16, I have uh, Precious Achua. Uh, he, he doesn't really have, like, a, a defined skill, but he's pretty well-rounded, um, and he's got a great, great physical tools and a really great motor. You know, he's always – always hustling, always running both ends of the floor. Um, I'm not sure. I really don't know what position he's going to play. I could see him being a small ball five. I could see him maybe being a pretty good perimeter defender, a guy that can guard like two through five maybe. Um, but, I, like, I just love the motor. And I, I'm a little bit worried about having him this high because, you know, the skill is still developing, but he's got the tools. He's got a great body, and he works really hard. Um you know, always active on defense. Um, but, you know, the the mechanics on his shot are not that good. He shot really poorly at the free throw line. So I'm a little bit worried about him. I'm not sure what position he's going to play. But I think if he ends up in a, in a situation where they really develop his, his skill set, I think he could be a really effective player. So I think he's skilled. But the one skill that he has is that he plays hard. I think playing right. hard is is an underrated skill. Right, yeah. There are a lot of guys that are really, really skilled, but they don't play hard. And so I think with him, I'm high on pressure. I think he mm-hmm. has a good foundation that you can build from. Yeah. He can become a, you know, like a switchy defender. I think that he played a lot of wing in high school. Mm-hmm. So he does have some ball handling skills and, and, and able to like attack on straight line drives. Um, if he can become a better shooter, that will open that up. I like him in the sense that he's a guy that if you give him, if he gets a rebound, he can probably push it a little bit. Yeah. I, I would love, you know, for a team to draft him and develop him because I think that you can, I mean, he has some tools. I think that you can maximize his tools, but I also feel like he has big bust potential also. Yeah, I see that. Because if he doesn't accept a role mm-hmm. or if he's trying to be good at a bunch of things and not good at one thing, 
then mm. it's going to be tough. I think if he starts off his career as I'm just going to be a switchy defender, energy guy, and a great rebounder, then I think you could build from there. But if yeah. he wants to try to show that he's a three, mm-hmm. try to show wing skills, then I think he could be in trouble. Yeah, I agree. Because there was a lot of times at Memphis where he was sort of four shots, sort of just bear all the way to the rim, draw a lot, of, uh, force a lot of charges. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. He has a lot of skill for a six nine, you know, two hundred thirty pound guy, but I don't really see him as a small forward. I think he's he's a front court player, but uh, he can't handle the ball pretty well. But I agree, if he tries to be some sort of like leading shot taker right away, I don't really see it working out for him. But he has a really good baseline skill set that. You know, if, if developed properly, he could be really, really effective. Yeah, and he needs to improve his feel for the game. Like, his turnovers were ridiculous compared to yeah. the assist. Not yeah. saying I, I, I'm looking for a big to have a, you know, even assist-to-turnover ratio, but the gap between his assist-to-turnover was, was pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some, some of the passes he was making or not making were kind of eye-opening. And getting honest. shot blocked at the rim, I thought that was weird that he got – yeah, yeah. considering how strong he is, you would think he would finish through contact more. But, um, yeah, he did struggle a little bit at times to score at the rim. Yep. With all that said, I still believe that you know, he's someone that you can work with because he, he just has yeah. some tools that I really like. Yeah. All right, number 17. Number 17 is Tyrese Maxey. Um, he's a guy that, you know, I had him as high as like 10 or 12. I moved him down into my 20s. I'm, I've, I've been back and forth on him for a while. Um, you know, I, I like his athleticism. Um, he gets to the rim really well. Uh, I think he's active on defense. His shot form is pretty solid. He's got decent mechanics. But you know, he struggled a lot of times to get clean looks. And I don't know how much I should pin his struggles on the fact that he played with a bunch of other guards at Kentucky. But um, – you know, he's definitely got his flaws to this game. But I like I like the baseline that he has, you know, with uh, the ability to get to the rim, you know, active defender, good athlete, really long wingspan. Um, Great touch I, I have, the rim. What, what was that? I was saying he has very good touch around the rim. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but I worry a little bit about his shot. Um, and I don't know – I don't know if he's going to be able to be like a an actual point guard or if he's going to have to be like an off-ball guard. Um, so there's some questions there, but I think he definitely has a lot of talent. So what do you think about the perception of Kentucky guards? Like they usually perform and do well. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel that his game and his style would translate? How much of his game were we not able to to see because he was at Kentucky and he had to share the ball with so many yeah. other guys that are, that are good basketball players? Yeah, I think not only is there a trend with Kentucky guys, you know, Hero and Adebayo most prominently, where there's so much more to their game than we saw at Kentucky. Um, And also the fact that Maxie specifically played with these other guards. Yeah, I I definitely think he has more to show, but the fact that I didn't see it is still concerning. So I I can't just say, oh, he went to Kentucky, so I'm expecting more than what we saw, you know? So I can only go off of what he actually did. but yeah, there definitely is a trend there that I think is is worth noting. Um, and you know, Calipari's good for, you know, he's not he doesn't really seem interested in winning championships. He's he's most focused on developing his guys to be NBA players. So, yeah, I could definitely see him being that next Kentucky guy that kind of comes out of nowhere, like oh, we didn't see this from him in college. Um, but I mean, it's not a guarantee. You never know. 
Yeah. So with with that being said, do you think that he'll be a steal at, at 17? Or do you think that based off of the history of the last few guards come out of Kentucky, do you think it'll be worth taking him in the lottery? I think it has to be the right team. Um, I think if he goes to like um, – like say he goes to the Magic, um, I, I don't really see him being like a steal. But if he ends up on an already solid team, and he's not, you know, asked to do a whole lot right away, I think we could see him as a steal because, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be a, a leading scorer anywhere or anything like that. But he could definitely be a great complementary scorer. Um, so I, I think it depends on where he ends up. All right, number eighteen. Uh, number 18, I have Patrick Williams out of Florida State. Uh, he's he's all tools and not much production because he came off the bench at Florida State. But, I mean, he showed flashes of being a really, really effective player. Uh, obviously, he's already got an NBA body at 6'8", great wingspan. Um, but, you know, he, he kind of forces a lot of looks. You know, a lot of times where I was watching Florida State games and it sort of looked like he would get the ball, and before he even did anything with it, he knew what he was going to do, like predetermined. So I definitely think he needs to work on that. But I mean, the potential is there. I mean, he's so strong, such a great athlete. Uh, the one, the biggest concern I think I have with him is his lateral quickness, because I think teams are going to try to use him at the three, and he sort of struggled uh, guarding faster players. So I don't know how much of a perimeter defender he's going to be, but. You know, he has a great baseline skill set, great tools. So, again, another guy kind of ends up – it depends on where he ends up, but um, I do really like his potential. Just I didn't see enough from him to have him any higher. Yeah, because my next question was, you're a little lower on him than other guys. Like mm -hmm. most of the guys that I've seen, whether it's their big board or, they mock, or their mock, they have him in the lottery. So, you have him yeah. as a team. So, you explain I, I why. I could see someone taking a swing at him in the lottery because the potential is so high with him. But he's um, so young. yeah, yeah, he's like one of the youngest in the draft. So yeah, a lot of potential there, but I just didn't see enough to really feel confident about him being a lottery guy. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if he goes in the lottery and if it ends up being a worthwhile pick, I wouldn't be surprised. All right, 19. 19, I have Paul Reed out of DePaul. He's someone that was sort of a, a late riser on my board. I didn't even really know about him until, like, when the season shut down. Um, but I love his versatility. Um, you know, he's always playing at 100%. Um, he's a really good defender. Uh, I think he's maybe the best rebounder. I don't know. But he's really great rebounding on both ends. Uh, he showed a little bit of touch. Um, I don't think he's going to be a shooter anytime soon, but I think there's potential for him to stretch it out a little bit. Um, he's a little bit of a tweener. He's only a 6'9", so I'm not sure whether or not he'll play the five. But um, I really like what he can do already, and he seems like a really hard worker. So I, I can see him definitely expanding on the skill set he already has. Yeah, I, I like I like Paul Reed's game a lot. I, um, I watched – not this past season, but the year before. I watched a lot of his clips. I need to do an, a, a second look and, and do a deeper dive. But I liked what I saw last year. I thought he was skilled. I thought, um, you know, he can fill up the stat sheet on the defense. Mm -hmm. He gave you blocks and steals. I liked his athleticism. 
Um, I thought he showed flashes of being able to shoot, mm-hmm. but not en- not enough. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that he's someone that he, if he goes into a good situation, he should be able to contribute. I mean, I think he's he's got to play the four, but I could see him going to a team and he ends up playing some five and yeah. they play small. Yeah. The NBA is so tricky now because, you know, at one point we saw teams going really, really small, but then in the playoffs, you can say the two teams that went to the finals had, I don't want to call them traditional centers because there's nothing traditional about Anthony Davis at the five. But I think that, I think Davis is a five. Oh, yeah, yeah he, he might not think so, but yeah. <laughs> and uh, Bam is a, a five with skills. So both are quote-unquote fives, but they, they have different skills that, that aren't traditional. And so I think that, um, you know, Reed could see some, some minutes at the five on, on some teams, but I think the, the best fit for him is to be a four, and if he could stretch the floor or let you play him with a, a five that can knock down open shots, I think mm-hmm. um, he'd be a good fit. But I had him going to – I know at one point I had him, I thought he was a good fit for like the Nets. The like Nets? They, yeah, they needed another active big in their rotation that mm-hmm. doesn't need the ball. Just yeah. kind of come in and, and defend and, and play uh, and just fill a role. So I thought he'd be a good fit there. Yeah, and I, I could definitely see him uh, being a five in like some bench units especially. Yeah. Um, because he's just so active on defense, a great rim protector, so – yeah, I don't know if if he if he is everything I hope he is, and he turns out to be a starter. I'm not sure if he can play the five. He'll probably have to play next to a shooting big at the four. But um, yeah, I mean, I like what I see out of him. And he won. Actually, I don't even remember if it was his sophomore year or junior year, but he won Most Improved Player in the Big East. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely one of those late developers, and I think he's going to continue to develop once he gets NBA reps and everything. All right, twenty. 20, I have Trey Jones. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. I know a lot of people aren't as high as him. They don't really have a first-round grade on him, but I think he's one of the most talented passers, not only because he can make just about every single pass you could think of, but he has great vision. You know, he's one of those guys that, like, he's kind of like one or two plays ahead. You know, he knows how the defense is going to react. A good enough shooter. Uh, I don't really see him being a big scorer, but I think – he can get it done. You know, he can knock down the open three. He can get to the rim. But I just love his passing. I think he's an underrated defender as well. He was a, um, he was a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year last year in his conference. So I really liked what I saw about it, or saw out of him. He's really poised, and it's just the passing, man. He's such a talented passer. So you, you believe in his shooting? You think that he can knock down the open shot? I do. I know, yeah, his percentages I don't think were anything special, but um, – I believe in it. His form is pretty good. Um, and not so much his freshman year because he played with, you know, one of the best recruiting classes ever was Zion in them. But uh, last year he was one of the main guys on that team. So I think if he's like a, a fifth starter on a team, you know, where he's not really relied upon to score, I think he can be efficient. Um, maybe not like a huge score, you know, maybe only like 10, 12 points a game. But I think he can be efficient, pick his spots, and just just be effective and efficient. Yeah, I could see him in a Caruso-type role, in a sense. I mean, I think he's a better 
point guard and decision maker to improve. Yeah. So if you put him on a good team, he can pick up full court and just mm-hmm. kind of harass other teams' ball handlers. And then I think if he can continue to improve as a shooter, I thought like his freshman year, I felt like him and Cam Reddish hurt Duke because they could not shoot. Yeah, yeah, the floor spacing was pretty rough. Yeah, the floor spacing. And they had two guys that were able to draw, you know, multiple double teams with, with Zion and RJ. It's mm-hmm. just they could not knock down open shots. He came back as a sophomore and improved the shooting. I think um, if he continues that, the same, you know, workout plan or whatever, just kind of continues to improve as a shooter, I think it'll help his game out. I still think that he ends up being similar to his brother, a guy yeah, that was just kind of put in the box as a, a backup mm. that, you know, just kind of manages the second unit, doesn't right. make mistakes, doesn't hurt you, but just basically just maintains, what, you know, what you have. So, right. Yeah. 20 is the highest I've seen him. So, obviously, you're higher on him than, than mm-hmm. most. But I thought you did a, a good job of explaining why you you would take him. Yeah, and I, I could absolutely see him just being like an eight-year backup, you know, like his brother sort of thing. But I just think he has a little bit more upside than that um, because I think he's a better defender than his brother, um, a little bit better as a playmaker. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily justify drafting him at number 20. I just think um, – you know, like 10, 12 years from now, we'll look back and say he was absolutely a top 20 player from this class because he's so rock solid. Like, I, I don't see any scenario where he doesn't work out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I just like him a lot. I know I am higher than most people, but I just – I like guys that I can feel safe about, you know, yeah. guys that I don't really have questions on. And the shot is the one question, but I think no matter what, he'll be a, a long-time NBA player, even if it's off the bench. Valid. All right, 21. Uh, 21, Aaron Nesmith out of Vanderbilt. Am I saying that right? Is it Nesmith? It might be Nesmith. You know, I, like when I watch guys' games, it just seems like the commentators, you know, they, just, they have just, different yeah. pronunciations. But mm-hmm. I, I've heard Nesmith, but I think it is Nesmith, but you never know. Like, for example, I knew Trayvon Duvall for, you know, I mean, I knew him before he went to Duke. But then mm-hmm. at Duke, and I've been calling him Duval, and then I guess at, at Duke, he wanted to, it to be at Duval. You never know. So. Well, either way, yeah, he's 21 on my board. Um, now, you have him lower he, than most. Yes, he was. He was a few spots higher. Um, and then I thought to myself, can he really do anything besides shoot? I'm a little bit concerned because, you know, he shot – was like 51% or something, something ridiculous this past season. Um, So obviously he's a great shooter, but I worry that he's not going to be much more than that because he didn't, I mean, I know Vanderbilt had like a weird defensive scheme where it was like no, no baseline. I mean, he barely played enough games. (laughs) Yeah, true, true. But yeah, Vanderbilt had a weird defensive scheme. So it was kind of hard to figure him out. Um, It was a lot of like funneling for their defensive game plan, but I didn't really love what I saw from him on defense. So I have concerns that he's just going to be like Reggie Bullock. You know what I mean? Like he's just out there to shoot threes. But um, he is a really great shooter. Not only his shooting ability, but his relocation, his ability to come off of screens, off of pin downs and everything. So I really like that about him, but I just don't know what else there is to his game. So I know I am lower on him than most people are, but I just – 
I have concerns about him being anything more than a shooter. And I remember specifically watching him play against Auburn, and he did a lot of – he uh, matched up against Okoro a lot, and he got blown by multiple times. So I worry about his defense. I don't know what else he's going to do at an above-average level besides shooting. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I never thought about the bullet comparison, but it's not bad. I thought, like, best-case scenario for him – and, no, I'm not believing Clay. Like, I have seen people try to – Compare him to Clay Thompson. I don't know about that. Um, I think his ceiling would be maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. Okay. And, yeah, I see that. And, uh, you know, like with Hardaway Jr., he's always been able to score, but he looked mm-hmm. his best playing with Luca. I think, you know, you put him on a team like Atlanta, New York, where, you know, they wanted him to be their number one or number two option. Yeah, he's and not that. It's, it's, it makes it a little tough for him. But if he's their number three, which in Dallas, he was, you know, off and on this season, he rotated between number one and number two. I'm sorry, number two and number three, depending yeah. on when Porzingis played. But I thought he played well. I thought he made himself a lot of money this, uh, you know, yeah. in, in t- to his next contract. I think he should stay in Dallas. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I, I think he so too. Definitely should stay in Dallas. But yeah, I mean, that was, that was probably like my best case scenario. But I like the Bullock comparison as, as a, you know, a floor for him, and I, I don't think that's a, a bad fit. Yeah. All right, 22. 22, I have Jalen Smith out of Maryland. Uh, he, he's another guy that's kind of been up and down on. And I've seen some people really high on him, like lottery. I'm not sure about all that. Um, I think he has a really well-rounded game. Like, he, he's shown flashes of three-level scoring, good rebounder, runs the floor well, block shots. But – I just I don't know if I saw enough of it at a high level to warrant lottery. But um, one thing I do like about him as a rim protector is he is not afraid to get dunked on. He's one of those guys that he'll sacrifice his body to, to try to block a shot or alter a shot at the rim. I really like that. I think that's really important. Um, in order to be an actual rim protector, you have to be willing to get dunked on. And um, I remember watching his interview with uh, Mike Schmitz. And he seems like a guy that has a really high motor and really wants to be the best version of himself, which I like. But I, I think he's a little bit skinny, which most guys at this point in their career are. But I worry about with him being 6'10 and having that big frame, I don't know how much weight he's going to put on. And hes I, I could see him being that sort of tweener where he's like not really a four because he's not that versatile guarding the perimeter, but he's not really big enough to bang with fives. So I'm kind of iffy on him, but I, I do like the potential a lot. I um, I could see him being really, really effective, sort of like a like a Miles Turner, Jaron Jackson, sort of four or five combo. Yeah, I, I like him. I think when I do my next mock, I think he'll rise. I think mm-hmm. the perfect fit for him is the Pelicans, as far as just fit, because I think you have to pair Zion with the big that can rebound and defend, but also space the floor. Those yeah. guys obviously don't grow on trees. And right. I think Zion needs to operate in the post. Mm-hmm. And I agree. you put him next to another big, like, I mean, I, I like Jackson Hayes. I just don't know if that's the best fit for Zion because Hayes isn't going to space the floor. Yeah. And I think that if you give Zion floor spacing, mm-hmm. he's going to shoot. 60% from the floor. Right, he's, and draw all kinds of fouls. Yeah. yeah, draw fouls, and he's put so much pressure on the defense. So mm-hmm. 
I think if I'm the Pelicans, I'm going to reach and take Jalen Smith in the lottery because I think he's the best fit. I mean, they, I feel like they already have their, their two guys, which most teams don't uh, have two young guys that they feel like they can build around. So at this point, it's all about finding guys that can fit around them and play a complementary role. And I think that's, that's something that Jalen Smith can do well. Whether or not they draft him in the lottery or they move down a few spots to get him and pick up another asset or not, I'm not sure. But I just think overall fit-wise, that's good for him. I think Dallas could be a pretty decent fit. Um, okay. Just because they value shooters. Yeah. And I think Sort Brooklyn, of like a mini Porzingis. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because um, yeah. he can move. Like, he's yeah, not just yeah, a spot-up sure. shooter. You can run action plays for him. and. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I don't think Dallas would necessarily need him to be a big time rebounder because Luca gets a lot of their rebounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think he would be a weapon for Dallas. Maybe Brooklyn also, even though they already have two fives and, and uh, Allen and, and Jordan. But I don't think any of their bigs stretch the floor. And so, yeah, they, I know. I know Brooklyn for some reason is really really high on Nick Claxton. Um, yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie called him the second most skilled player on the team, which I don't know if that was a shot at Kyrie or what that was about, but he said that. So they're really high on Claxton. He's supposed to be a floor spacer, so I guess we'll see on him. But Yeah, like and um, I know, like, last summer, I think he worked out here in Dallas for mm-hmm. his pre-draft. I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen him or heard of him working out here. Maybe he's still staying with the team. But there's no way Kyrie believes he's the second most, or Dinwiddie yeah, believes he's the second most skilled player in the team. Spencer Dinwiddie definitely said that though, and I remember seeing that, and I was like, I just thought it was a shot at Kyrie because I, I don't know what else that was about. But, but yeah, with Jalen uh, Hart, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I don't know, I don't know what he sees in him, but yeah, I, I know they're high in Claxton, but I, I like that fit. Um, I'd like to see him. Ideally, I think he would play the five. Um, because he he's a decent floor well he's a decent shooter but I don't know how much of a floor spacer he is in the same sense as like you know how Al Horford can shoot threes but he's not exactly stretching the defense out yeah not not calling him Al Horford but in that same sense of like he'll hit the open three but like I don't think his matchup is like standing right next to him at the three point line yeah so I think I think his best position best case scenario for him he's playing the five talking about Smith or Claxton Smith okay yeah. I, I agree. I think he can really hurt teams by having him shoot threes on the move. Mm-hmm. I think that's where he can really hurt teams and in, in their matchup if he's matched up against a big or if he has like a, a really good guard that can get in the paint and then he draws the the big out. Because most bigs don't want to chase another big. They don't want to do yeah. any chasing. So. Yeah, they, every big wants to play drop coverage. Yeah. So yeah. I think he can be – a weapon. So I think like in the range that he's projected to go in, a team like Dallas or Brooklyn or, or one of those teams that already has their stars and their, their core, mm-hmm. even like yeah. New Orleans, like I mentioned earlier, I think that they could find ways to get creative and, and make him a, a threat that complements their, you know, their, their high dollar guys. Yeah, I think he could be a great complimentary player in the right spot. And speaking of uh, complimentary players, my next guy up, um, next up I have Josh Green. I think he's going to be a tremendous role player 
Um, I don't I don't see like the high ceiling like like probably what people projected out of him when he was like the number seven recruit in his class. But he's he plays the game the right way, like really understands team basketball. Um, and I really love that about him. You know, he's really great defender. Um, I he needs to work on his shot. Um, he really struggled, especially creating his own shot, which is why I think he's going to be a role player. But um, he's really good at straight line drives. He runs the lane really well in transition. He knows how to fill the lane really well. He runs and he's just, he, L for transition opportunities. <laughs> he yeah. wants those. Like, he, yeah. But I like the fact that even if he doesn't get them, the fact that he runs so hard mm-hmm. as, a, as a wing, you have to pay attention to him. And yeah. it could open up. Uh, another shot opportunity, like a, a wide open three for, you know, another wing or somebody that, that spaces the floor. But yeah, he puts tremendous pressure on defenses in transition. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I like him. I know I've been seeing a lot of mock drafts having going to Dallas. Yeah, I've seen that a lot too. Yeah. yeah, I like that fit. Yeah, because he's he's just really high IQ, really high character, just understands team basketball really well. So actually, yeah, the Mavericks fit makes a lot of sense. I think him next to Luca would be a really good pairing. But I am worried a little bit about his shot. Uh, he's he he liked the mid range shot a lot. I noticed, but he wasn't that great shooting the three. So I think he needs to improve there. But you know, I, I think within a few years, I think any like if if you if you commit a year and a half, two years to shooting the basketball, I think that's something that can definitely be developed for just about anybody. I mean, you think about like Brooke Lopez, like he was a complete non-shooter when he yeah. played in Brooklyn and now he's taking more threes than just about any center. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about the fact that he can't shoot right now because it's not like the mechanics are broken or anything like that. Um, so I really like him, you know, he's really fundamentally sound. And I think there's a very small chance, there's like maybe a 5% chance that he breaks out and is actually some type of star player because he was really highly recruited uh, coming into Arizona, um, he went to it was I, IMG Academy, right? Yeah, I think so. So he he's familiar playing at a high level, high stakes and everything. I, I think there's a very small chance that he ends up being a star, but otherwise I think he's just going to be a really – one of those, like, role players that everyone kind of wants on their team, you know? Yeah, see, I don't see the shot creation with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. He – one of the things about him is – like when I watch his film or when I think of him, I don't think of him as a shooter. Mm-hmm. But his percentages were better than I thought. Just kind of the eye test and then what I see on paper yeah. didn't match up. I wonder how well he'll shoot in the NBA next year. Mm-hmm. But I, it I should think, be fine. Um, yeah, I think he should be decent. I don't think he's going to be like a liability and you know, people sag off him or anything. But I think that's also going to come down to fit because if he's on a team that already has good spacing, I think it's going to make it a lot easier for him to settle into those easier shots. Whereas if he goes to like just the Knicks, for example, because they have awful spacing, I don't, I don't think he's going to be able to shoot the ball well because, you know, they just don't have any other shooters for the defense to focus in on. Yeah. But I agree. I think um, the only way he becomes any sort of star type of player, he needs to work on creating his own shot. But the rest of his game is really well-rounded. I really like what he can do. I think he fits in well with other players. Yeah. For some reason, I see, like, Nick could be a bad comparison, but I could see him playing a similar role to what Jerry and Grant played. No, Jeremy Grant, I'm sorry. Jeremy Grant on the Nuggets? 
Yeah, similar role, even though he's more so of a two, three, than maybe yeah. a three, four. Mm-hmm. But I could see like him having a, a, a breakout like playoffs where he knocks yeah. down open shots and then he's able to attack on straight line drives and then he you know, uses his physicality to just kind of make life miserable for the other team's best player and just yeah. a good complimentary guy. Um, and that's a word, you know, I've, basically I've, I've used it a lot in this podcast, but in the second half of the first round, that's all you're really looking for. Yeah, right. Not too many guys are going to break out and, and be superstars. So you're just kind of looking for guys that are going to be starters and, and just support the, you know, your superstars, your max players. And so I think that's right. him. I think Dallas is, is a good fit. Um, you know, only time will tell if he would be better than like a Dorian Finney-Smith right, mm-hmm. right off the bat. But he could. I mean, one of the things that I worry about him in a sense is that he plays so hard that he seems like a candidate to have a bunch of, like, nagging injuries. Because he seems like he just is out of control in a sense because he's playing so hard. Yeah. Kind of like has... a poor man's Gerald Wallace. Now, if you get Gerald Wallace out of him, then you got to steal. Right. You know, they call Gerald Crash because he was always on the ground. So... Yeah. I see some similarities as far as just how hard he plays and how sometimes when he drives to the rim, he's a little out of control and he's he's not afraid to like give up his body. Yeah. And that kind of concerns me just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that can be a good thing too. A guy that's willing to sacrifice his body is important, but yeah, I guess I can see that, but I don't think he has any sort of uh, notable injury history, which I no. think is good. But um yeah, yeah. Um, he does. He's a little bit reckless at the rim, and he's he's a guy that he can drive in a straight line to the rim, but he's not really like beating people or like getting around, like avoiding contact or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. He and he doesn't seem to have a good first step to me. He seems to yeah. be in transition, like when yeah, the, the open drives, court. Yeah, just that that quick rip and first step. Mm-hmm. Or being able to beat like defenders off the dribble with his first step, I, I don't see that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, so we're at twenty-four. Twenty-four. I have Cassius Stanley, which I might be completely wrong on him, but he's probably the uh, I wouldn't say the best athlete, but he has the best vertical of any player in this draft. He'll he'll go up and get any lob that you throw to him which I love, which is good for highlights, but I think he has a little bit more to his game. He showed uh, flashes of scoring off the dribble. He also showed flashes of getting completely locked up when he tried to create his own shot. But I think with NBA development, I think there's a chance he becomes really good. It's concerning that he's a 21-year-old freshman. Um, you know, I'm a 20-year-old, 20-year-old junior. So it's a little concerning how old he is for how inexperienced he is, but just a really great athlete. Uh, he improved as a shooter throughout the course of the season, which I think is a telling sign. Um, I, I can see him being a really valuable role player, kind of in the same sense of Josh Green, where he runs the floor really well. He can get to the rim. Um, and I, I think he obviously has the athletic ability to be a defender. It's just a matter of um, getting coached up a little bit on that end. 
Yeah, I want to know how in the world are you a 21 year old? Yeah, I looked into that. I, I couldn't figure out, I didn't find anything on why he's 21 years old yet. Yeah, this is his first season at Duke. I really, I really don't know what the situation is there, but it's a little concerning. Yeah, like I look at myself. I graduated from high school at 17, mm-hmm. and I started my freshman year of college maybe like two or three weeks after I turned 18. Yeah. So by the time I was 21, you graduated, right? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I was a fifth year senior, so I had the, okay. you know, I was a super senior, <laughs> so. But yeah, I was I was 21 by the time I was a senior. And so I'm like, all right, so how old was he when he was a freshman in high school? Was he like 16? Yeah, I don't Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what's up with that. It is it is concerning because you know, within 4 years he'll he'll be 25, which is I mean, it's pretty old to be based off your first contract, but would think um, Obi Toppin might be like twenty six or twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, true. Obi Toppin's already twenty two, maybe almost twenty three. But yeah. um, yeah, that's why I'm not so high on him. But um, with Stanley, uh, I like his potential because he's just such a great athlete, and he showed some flashes. So I think for him, if he ends up on like a really sound organization like the Spurs, Mavericks, the Heat, something like that, I could see them uh, developing him within a few years to being. Um, a high-end starter, but um, there's a lot of concerns because, you know, there were times where he would try to create a shot and it turned into absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, he showed some flashes of being a good defender, but not that consistent and obviously the age. Yeah, because I, mean, I don't ever want to sit here and say 21 is old and you know, right. he, he doesn't have a lot of potential, but I do think it is somewhat concerning because um, as far as like Skill-wise, he's, I don't know how to, I guess the best way to say this is that he's hes less skilled than some of the guys who are a year or two younger than him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely more athleticism than skill. Right. And so the last guy that I remember, like, being so much older than his class was, off the top of my head, I should say, was Shabazz Muhammad. I think he was yeah. so good in, in high school because he was bigger, stronger, and faster, but you realize that he was older, and that's why he was so much stronger. And then once he got to the NBA, it didn't matter anymore. It just kind of kind of caught up to him. He wasn't able to bully his way around. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Stanley's game isn't based off of him bullying guys. It's just based off of him being athletic. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's – if he can just knock down 36 37% of his threes, with his athleticism, yeah. then he becomes, you know, a very valuable piece to a team. Yeah, But absolutely. like I say, the age is somewhat concerning because you wonder, like, all right, was he that much better in high school because he was older than everybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely concerns there, but at the same time, there's not a lot of six six dudes that can fly like he can. So yeah. there's a lot of concerns, but, you know, back half of the first round, I think he's definitely worth the risk. Yep. All right, so 25. 25, I have Devon Dotson. He, he's someone that I think I'm higher on than most other people. I think most people have him like 30 or into the second round. But I really liked what I saw out of him at Kansas. He was one of the best players in all of college basketball last year. Um, 
And I, I don't see high ceiling out of him, but similar to Trey Jones, where I think he could be a really effective backup. Not that he's similar play style to him, but just that same sense of like, he could be a really effective backup or maybe even a starter with the right fit. Um, he reminds me a lot and, you know, this might be a little overzealous, but I see a lot of Kemba Walker in him. Not like you take away the shooting because he's not much of a shooter, but just the way he can get to the rim really well, finish through contact, around contact. Um, he's disruptive as an on-ball defender, you know, generated a lot of steals, both playing the passing lanes and just ripping the ball out of players' hands. So I, I really enjoyed watching him play, and maybe I'm letting that sway me a little bit and not and kind of just not really focusing on the red flags. But I really like what I saw out of him. I think he has enough size to where he's not going to get picked on on defense. You know, he's pretty strong, even though he's only like 6'2". So I, I could definitely see him being either a high-level backup or a low-end starter, which I think, you know, at 25, I think that's a pretty good player. Yeah, I like the the speed. I like how he yeah. puts pressure mm -hmm. on defenses with his speed, and he's an aggressive finisher at the rim. Like, yeah. he's not afraid of the big, and yeah. he, he attacks, uses his body well. So, yeah, I mean, I think that he's – I think that he's going to be a really good, solid backup mm -hmm. and then spot starter. But he even may be a guy that he doesn't start for you, but he closes games for you. Yeah, you know, a lot of teams that. are closing yeah. with two-point guards or two small guards anyway. So I, I, I wouldn't yeah. be shocked to see that. Yeah, I think with, with good floor spacing, you know, because he's so aggressive attacking the rim, he's not afraid at all of contact. So with how fast he is, if you give him any sort of spacing, I think he can get to the rim – you know, basically at will. And that's what he and wants then, to do. Right, yeah, he's always yeah. looking to go to the rim. I really like that about him. I like guys that are tough, you know, guys that aren't afraid of contact, aren't afraid of getting hit. Um, and I think he he's a good enough passer to where, you know, like you said, at the end of game, closing lineups, I think you spread out the floor for him, you let him get to the rim, he'll make the right read. All right, yep, 26. 26, I have Leandro Balmero the wing out of Spain. He's someone that will probably be a drafting stash because I think he still has a contract with Real Madrid. And he's but, playing right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what his contract situation is, but I'm almost positive he'll be drafting stash. But he, like three, four years from now, I can see him coming into the league and really being a high-level high, high level player because he's, he's not that strong. Like, he's kind of scrawny, but – he has a really high IQ. He's really good with the ball in his hands, playmaking for other players. Uh, really active on ball, um, especially when he's guarding smaller players. I noticed when he gets assigned to a guard, he'll really get up into them, really guard them like all over the floor, which I like. Uh, and he just seems to have really high IQ. Everything I've seen about him, you know, he's really high, high IQ player. Um, so at this range, like if you can get a guy like that, I, I, I think that's a win. You know, I think it'll take time. Um, I think because he's played so much, he's played, he has played professional, but he's played mostly against guys his age. Mm -hmm. So it'll take some time, but I could see him coming in like three years from now and being a really effective player. Yeah, I had mentioned on the previous podcast that I saw him last summer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I was reading about who are the players to watch, and his name was on the list. And I was not impressed. I was not impressed at all. I saw the size. I just didn't see what he he did well. Yeah. And then when I went back and watched the film as opposed to watching it live, I saw a little bit more. 
but he looked a lot better playing with Barcelona's A team last yeah. year than he yeah. did playing with his age group. And so I guess for more so because with his age group, he's the best player. So he's like the star. Everything is ran through yeah. him. And that's not where he's best used at. Exactly, but I yeah. thought he was really good in a complimentary role in the minutes that he played. I mean, obviously he's a big guard at six 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 seven, um, high IQ. But he was a really good defender, in my opinion. I just thought he was mm-hmm. like a high IQ defender. And then I, I just like big wing ball handlers, guys that can you can um, you know run the you know be a secondary playmaker. You can run pick and rolls for. Yeah. And then I just like Argentinian players. Like they all have this this flash and craziness to him. Yeah. yeah. There was a guy on his team. Oh, I can't think of his name right now. It's like Juan Marcos Ignatius, something like that. He was a small guard. I don't know if he'll ever be an NBA player, but he was so fun to watch. Every mm-hmm. single pass he threw had some type of flair to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if he threw, uh, you know, just swung it to the, you know, if he caught it at the top of the key and he swung it to the wing, it was underhand pass. It was just a little... It just was always a little flash to it, yeah. Put something on it. And so yeah. um, I just like how, you know, in Argentina, their system, like, they're not a big country, but they're a basketball country. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, no, they're a soccer Well, a soccer country first, but... But yeah. their basketball teams have overachieved. Yeah. Because they don't have, like, you know, a, a ridiculous population. But they all play well together, and they move, but everybody is skilled. And so he yeah. fits that mold of, you know... Is, guy that has a little bit of flash and flair to his game and he can make plays for others and himself and I think for Balmero he just I mean it sounds like a broken record but he improves as a a three-point shooter I kind of see him as being like a little flashier Joel Ingles in a sense minus the shot but yeah yeah but I mean I think like at his best I think yeah okay yeah come where he's a, you know, he plays his role. He may be like the fourth best player in the starting five, mm-hmm. but he just kind of makes everybody better because, you know, if he gets the ball at the end of the shot clock, he'll be able to knock down open shots, but you can also run side pick and rolls and swing the ball. So I had a Utah taking him. I don't know if if they'll if he'll be available or, or you know, the fact that he's not going to be able to come in and play. Mm-hmm. 2021, yeah, changes things for him. But I, I, I still would take him in the first round. Yeah, me too. He's um, I think, yeah, like you said, how he played better with better talent around him. I think he's someone that will be like a really good secondary playmaker. Like he reminds me a lot of um, when Evan Turner was on the Celtics and he was like their sixth man and was like basically the point guard on their second unit. I think that's his role where. You know, he's like that oversized point guard rather than putting him on the wing because I think, for one, he's a much better defender when he's guarding guards as opposed to wings. Mm-hmm. But he he's someone that will create shots for people. So I think having him be like sort of the backup point guard is probably his best role. Yeah, I in the versatility where he yeah. he can run your, your offense as a backup point guard, but he can also defend, you know, one through three and then some situations. So... I like to use the word weapon, and I think guys like him 
can be a weapon that the creative coach can unlock yeah. and, and create mismatches. Yep. I so agree. who do you have at 27? 27, I have Grant Riller, point guard out of Charleston. Buckets. He, I would, what was that? I said buckets. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He was someone that I was completely out on um, until like two months ago because, you know, I saw the really high stats, like 25 points a game. But I, then I was like, I looked at who we played and I was like, these are all like mid-major schools. Like, I, I don't see this translating. But then, I, you know, I, I did a deeper look into it. And he made me realize, you know, there are, that there are guys that they develop their skills from drills and practicing. And then there are guys like Grant Riller who develop from just playing. Yeah, just being a hooper. Uh, and that's what sort of got me to buy in on him. Because when you see him play, like you see him driving to the rim and he, he's just so reactionary. Like you can see what the defense is doing and just adjust to that. Whereas like... Like I saw with Jason Tatum, I'm a big Celtics fan. So I saw with Jason Tatum, like he would get the ball in the ISO and he had a set set uh, amount of moves that he was about to do just to pull off, like regardless of what the defender did. Whereas Grant Riller, like he he's reactionary to what the defense does. So I really like that about him. But I am worried that, you know, obviously he's not going to be averaging 25 points a game in the NBA. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I could see him being like a, like a, a Fred Van Vliet Fred Van Vliet sort of where you know he's a little bit undersized to play to one but he could also maybe play to two because he's just just a bucket getter and he works hard enough on defense like there were times because he was carrying the load at uh, Charleston so um, you know his defense wasn't always there but I think once he gets to the NBA and defenses aren't keen on him and he's not doing all the scoring I think he'll be a good enough defender to get minutes so I think he could end up being a pretty big steal this late in the first round. But considering he's already 23, I, I don't think he's worth really taking a risk on, like, higher than in the 20s. And that's why I think he's going to end up being, like, a big-time get for a team. Because mm -hmm. teams are going to pass him up for someone who they think has a higher upside. Mm -hmm. And they'll use his age against him which means he's going to fall down to possibly a good team. Yeah, he'll likely and, go to a really good team. And he'll be able to, I think, come in and get rotation minutes early, but someone that can come in and get buckets for you. But the concern I have is also is that, you know, a lot of guys that are really good scorers aren't complimentary players, and then yeah. they end up in China or – Right, right playing in Europe. So I, I wouldn't be shocked either way because mm -hmm. it's all going to be about fit, you know? Like, so think about it like Alonzo Trier in a sense. I know Trier is bigger. Trier can get buckets. Yeah. And when he played for the Knicks and when he got minutes, he scored. But for whatever reasons, they ended up waving him. And I'm interested to see what type of contract he gets this year. I know he signed with Clutch, so that, that'll help him out. Yeah, that'll help him. Um, he could end up being like a cheap guy for the Lakers mm -hmm. to replace like a Deion Waiters or something like that. Yeah. But I wonder like, all right, if he keeps, if he gets like a non-guaranteed minimum deal this year and then, and he, you know, he plays off and on, but he averages eight or nine points a game, 10 points a game, but he only plays like 
30, 40 games because he's getting a lot of DMPs. Yeah. There's a guy like Alonzo Trier decide, like, you know, I'm going to take this money in China. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Where, you know, I'm going to average 35 points a game. Mm-hmm. They're going to allow me to play 38 minutes a game the way I've always wanted to play. Right. So I wonder, is like Grant really going to be one of those guys, especially if he falls to like a second round pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ends up like, I could see him ending up on like the Pistons and, you know, they didn't really have a point guard. So they kind of not really give him the keys, but they let him kind of take whatever shots he wants. And yeah, I don't know if he's built for that sort of role. Yeah. To be like a starter, like main shot taker. So I would like to see him go to like a Milwaukee. I thought Dallas would be good. Mm-hmm. Because Carlos Dallas, kind of, just about anyone could fit in with Dallas, really. Like Yeah. I mean they made Trey Burke look good. Um yeah. even though they kinda of have quite a you know, a lot of guards, but just another guy that can create his own shot because I feel like they didn't have another real like shot creator. Yeah, they really needed Trey Burke in the playoffs. He was big against the Clippers at times. Yep, and but I, I felt like he killed him with his shooting, and he put mm-hmm. pressure with his speed. But as far as a guy who, you know, if he gets late in the shot clock and Luka's not in, that you can just say, all right, flatten out, go get us a bucket. Right. I felt like all the other guys on the team, if they're in that situation, they're just going to pull up and shoot. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, but I, I like him. I like him a lot. I think that fit is going to be really key for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that Doc is the coach in Philly, I wouldn't mind seeing him at Philly. And Doc kind of slides him into the the role that he's, you know, he had in, in with the Clippers. He always had a six-man, whether it's Jamal or, or Lou Williams. Yeah. He had a guy that came off the bench. They ran the offense through, and he let that guy – yeah. He does. So I think that Philly would be a good fit. You mentioned Dallas. Milwaukee could probably use another creator. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I'm not a Lakers fan, but man, if he went to the Lakers. Yeah, that'd be big for them. Yeah. That, that could be a good fit. Or even Toronto, if uh, Van Vliet leaves and decides mm-hmm. just says, yeah, well, you know what? I'm just getting another Van Vliet. Yeah, we're trying to fill that role again. Yeah. He's actually got a little bit more size than Van Fleet because I think he's only like 6'1". Grant Riller's like 6'3". Yeah, yep. But, so who do, you, who do you have at 28? 28, I have Isaiah Stewart. Uh, a lot of people don't really see him as a first-round guy, and I think he could actually – well, I don't think he'll go higher than this uh, because I think that's just the consensus on him. Mm-hmm. But I could definitely see him being better than the 28th best player in this class. I think there was a lot that we didn't get to see at Washington. Uh, particularly as a passer. I think there were times when uh, he was in the post and he actually showed a really good court vision, but he didn't get a lot of opportunities to show that. But what he did get to show was how strong he is, um, how great of a shot blocker he is. He runs the floor. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a fright train, man. He's only six nine, but he's got a huge wingspan. He's really strong. Uh, he can't really shoot the ball, so he'll probably have to be that sort of undersized five. But – I mean, he, he just works really hard, and I think there's more to his game than what we saw at Washington. Yeah, you know, he was projected a lottery pick mm-hmm. this time last year. I've been saying on previous podcasts, he was born in, you know, like 1980 or 19, I don't know, 90. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then he's a high first-round pick. Absolutely, yeah. But the game has changed. I think that he can come in and play a role. Like, I, I don't see Boston passing him up three yeah. times. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, I think I think they're going to trade, like, package those picks together. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't see them passing on him either. I think he'd be a good fit. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I think that he'll, he'll be a solid role player. I do think that in time, maybe by year, like, four, maybe three at the earliest, he'll be able to be a respectable floor spacer. Maybe not out to the three-point range, mm-hmm. but someone who, if you throw him the ball and he catches it at the elbow, that he's able to just kind of consistently knock down that shot. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I just, you know, I, I think Boston is going to trade also, but I don't see them letting him go by three times. Yeah, I hope like, not. I don't think they'll take him at 14, but maybe like 26 and 30. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them because he's he's bigger than who they already have. Yeah. Yeah, Grant Grant Williams. Williams, like six eight. Yeah, Graham yeah. Williams, like six six. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, if Robert Williams ever decided to just maximize his gifts, then Boston would need. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't need. Uh, they wouldn't be looking for another big. Mm-hmm. But in re- reality, he's not that tall either. I mean, he looks yeah, like I think... he's about six eleven, but he's about six nine also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does definitely look bigger than he is, though. Yeah. He also has a really big wingspan, but yeah, I, I definitely like to fit with the Celtics. I really hope, like, if if they take him at twenty six or at thirty, I, I would definitely be happy with that. So now we're down to twenty nine. Twenty nine, I have. Let me see. Yeah, okay, twenty nine. I have Desmond Bain out of TCU. Um, I he was a late riser for me. Uh, I think I think it was Kevin O'Connor that kind of put me onto him, looking at his big board. Because I hadn't really heard about him throughout the season. And then I saw him on that big board. I watched some of his film, and I really liked what I saw. Um, you know, high IQ player. He was a big part of TCU's offense, and I don't see him being much more than a complimentary player in the NBA. But the fact that he showed he could handle a high offensive load, I think is good. He was a really good shooter, shot like 43%, something like that from three this year. Um, I think ball handling is going to be his biggest swing skill. Because if he can put the, the ball on the floor and create, that opens up so much for him. Um, and I think he's not, not a great defender by any means, but um, pretty solid. And he's pretty versatile because he's, he's really strong. Uh, but my concerns for him, though, he I looked into um, his shot chart. He actually really struggled shooting uh, threes from the corner. But he shot like over 50% from above the break. Which I thought was really interesting because generally you see guys are better corner shooters than top of the key. So I think that, that might be a little bit concerning because he's almost definitely going to be a role player, meaning he'll probably be spotting up in the corner. So he'll have to improve on that. And he also has a negative wingspan, um, at least from what I don't even remember where I found this, but I have it listed here. He's 6'6 six, six with a 6'4 wingspan, which generally, <laughs> yeah, generally that's pretty concerning uh, when projecting defense. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, he showed enough to prove to me that, you know, he won't be a bad defender. So it is a little concerning, but when you look at the positives, I think he's definitely an NBA player. Um, you just got to end up in, a, in a, uh, a spot where his strengths are kind of catered to. Yeah, I think that he's not a player who I worried about upside. I feel like I know what I'm going to get out of him. Mm-hmm. And late in the draft, he's going to go to a good team. So imagine him going to the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, like that's the one from. Yeah, Milwaukee. 
I honestly don't know if he gets past Brooklyn. They don't need him to do anything but space the floor, yeah. especially if they can't afford Joe Harris or he takes an offer somewhere else. I think that Bain is someone that can come in and he just, his gravity, as, mm-hmm. as we project him to be a good shooter, will make things easier for Durant and, uh, and Kyrie. So, I mean, I, I think that, especially in today's NBA, there's such a value on on shooting that yeah, of course. I think that he should be able to come in right away and be able to help a good team, especially like off the bench or, like I said, Milwaukee. If he goes to, to, to the Bucks, that's another shooter that can space mm-hmm. the floor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even like Boston, in a sense, that would be another another shooter. Um, yeah, they, they need some bench scoring, yeah. Yep. And so um, Utah at 23, they could use another shooter. You know, you, you, know, you have a lineup with, you know, him and Bogdanovich and, and, and Mitchell, then it just kind of opens things up for for Donovan to uh, – yep. so, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think he goes past the second round. Yeah. I, 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 I yeah. Past the first round, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if he fell to the second round. I just worry about what else he can really do besides being a good shooter because yeah. he's only decent on defense and he wasn't much of a, a playmaker. So, I mean, if you're picking him at, you know, 25, 23, something like that, like you don't really need much more than a shooter, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I just – I don't know if he's going to be anything else besides just like a floor spacer and just a 6'6 six, six body. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, the last pick. This is today. tough. I, I have I have a whole tier of guys. I'm just going to pick one out, I guess, because I really struggled putting someone last because I have guys like uh, Elijah Hughes, Xavier Tillman, Tyler Bay. Um, is it Jamie's Ramsey? Jamie's. Okay, him, uh, Peyton Pritchard, Reggie Perry. There's a lot of guys here that I wanted to put at 30. It was tough. I kind of have them all ranked together. But do you want you want to, anyone in particular you want to talk about out of that group? Yeah, so like for me, I have Tyler Bay, as I have okay. him as a first round lock. Um, I'm trying to think, guys, have, did you? I don't have your first one in front of me. Actually, I may. I'm trying to think, there's somebody that I feel like you had. That I, I had that you you don't have. Did you have Pokashevsky? No, he's right below that tier of guys I just mentioned, with guys like Robert Woodard and yeah. So Poku, he's like roughly forty on my board. I, like, I get it. I, I see people, or I get the people that see him as you know this like unicorn that does all whatever. But he played in the second Greek division or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. um, and he he just seems really soft. Like he he's seven feet tall, but he has no interest in being in the paint. Um, he's a shot blocker when he wants to, but he's not really that great of a defender. Um, I, I just don't really see it with him, even though he's really, really young um, and he has time to develop. I, I just have a lot of questions. Now, if five years from now he's like an all-star, then so be it. But I wouldn't personally, if I was a GM, I wouldn't use a first-round pick on him. I think there's way too many question marks, just too much concern with him. But, I mean – if you if you were a team like I think the Sixers have like four second round picks, I think he'd be worth a flyer. But I wouldn't I wouldn't commit any like real assets to him. I I just don't see it. See, I think that one is two things that are gonna help him go high. 
and I wouldn't be shocked to see him go late lottery. Mm-hmm. Young, right? He barely meet the the deadline to qualify mm-hmm. for this draft. He's super skilled. He's seven foot. He moves like a wing. Can dribble, pass, potential as a shooter. Mm-hmm. Then there was a guy that played in the same second division Greek that was seven foot. That teams passed up, and everybody's going to be scared to miss out. Yeah, um, another skinny, skilled seven footer that's playing in Greek second division. Because even if you look at like Giannis's stats, and I'm, I'm not comparing him to Giannis because there's a you know a, a different as far difference as far as athleticism. I think yeah. at the same level. Pokashevsky is probably more skilled. Now, yeah, one thing that's fair to say. Giannis, that that toughness and that fire, that right. is totally, totally different. I agree. Right. I don't that, think Pokashevsky has that. Yeah, that's my biggest concern. Yeah, mine too. Because I've I've been on record as saying that I think that all his skills have come natural to him. Mm-hmm. And that he probably hasn't really had to work really, really hard to right. get to what he has. Because how he moves, that's natural. Um, I mean, whatever, you know, background he had as far as development in Serbia, has, you know, they taught him how to dribble, shoot, and pass. And they didn't put him in a box as a seven-footer, you know, that you're just kind of a back-to-the-basket guy. But everything that he does just seems like natural God-given talent. Exactly, and so, yeah. And I've been saying, like, I wonder if you threw him in the G League today, right now, with those hungry dogs that's trying to make a name for themselves on the NBA roster, how would he compete? Because he'd be a target. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I remember I remember watching him play, like, seeing some of his film. And, I mean, I'm not claiming to know him as a person or anything, but it, it felt like Anytime he made a big play, like anytime he actually would hustle on defense and like block a shot, it seems like his teammates were, they kind of had a reaction as like, oh, finally, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I kind of get the feeling that, like you said, like it's kind of all just uh, gifted talent. Like he was just, he's seven feet tall and he just can shoot the ball. And I, I don't, like, I don't see the motor. I don't see the fire, the passion. And, you know, there's another seven footer that the Bucks drafted that didn't work out in Thon Maker. You know, like he showed a lot of skill, but, you know, it's kind of what else, like what else are you going to do to continue developing? And I, I just, again, like if he ends up being a star, then I'll admit I'm completely wrong on him, but I'm pretty confident it's not going to work out for him. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think you're the first person I've had on here that doesn't have him as a first-round pick. So I, I've mentioned that I've actually had the chance to watch him live. I saw him oh, last yeah. summer, and I saw – both sides. I saw the potential. I saw the game where he kind of, you know, that put him on the map where he was blocking shots. He got steals. Mm-hmm. He showed his whole toolbox. But then throughout the rest of that tournament, like you see flashes and then, you know, the game against Germany kind of soured me on him. He started off 0 for 6 and he just never got back in the game. And right. didn't yeah, play the I rest don't... of the tournament. I still don't yeah. know why. Yeah. See, I'm not I'm not claiming to know him as a person, but I just don't see the mental toughness. I don't see the motor, the drive. Um, I think it's all just, you know, just gifted talent that he hasn't not not saying he hasn't worked or anything, but yeah. I just don't I don't see the NBA level motor to where, you know, he he can sort of overcome the everything else that he needs to work on. But he does he definitely does does have skills. So I get people that are buying in on him. 
just personally, uh, I think there's too big of a risk. Well, if I'm Boston, I'm definitely taking him. I have three chances to, you know, swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I send him to Maine for a year. Maybe even let him stay with Olympiacos this year. Send him to Maine the next year. That still only puts him at, what, like 20? Yeah, and just barely 20, yeah. Yeah, just slowly develop him, you know, get him on a weight program. Mm-hmm. And... You, you never know what, what you get. Yeah. So I would I would take him with a first-round pick. I mean, I think this isn't considered a strong draft anyway. So I think mm-hmm. he's one of the guys where you have to just, like, really, really swing for the fence. So I think him, Jaden McDaniels are two guys that yeah. I, yeah, would, I, I would swing for the fences on just mm-hmm. off town alone. Yeah, yeah. If I was a team with multiple picks, like the Celtics, for example, um, yeah, I mean, it's not the worst risk. Cause like you said, there's not it's not like that many guys with really, really high potential, and he's one of them. So, yeah, I mean, if the Celtics took him at 30, I'll probably complain on draft night. But, you know, three years from now, he could be a contributor. So we'll see. But I don't know. I just have too many concerns. I, I, I agree. I, I totally get it. Oh, uh, Jaden McDaniels in that same sort of boat where I think he has a lot of skill. But I worry about his motor. I worry about if it'll translate. And his fit. Yeah. Yeah, I think he, he wants to be like Carmelo Anthony, but, you know, I don't I don't know if he's built for that. Yeah, I mean, I think in today's NBA, there's not a lot of room for guys that need, like, a high volume of shots that mm-hmm. are going to be inefficient yeah. that aren't really good playmakers for others. So yeah. for him, talent-wise, no question about it. Yeah. Fit, I don't know because I, I, I don't think he's good enough. Well, I think he can be good enough to sell as a role as a in like a stretch four, mm-hmm. but he's probably too talented to accept that role. Yeah, he wants to be more than that. Yeah. And then I don't know if he's good enough passer. Well, right now he's not good enough as a passer, decision maker, playmaker to where you mm-hmm. can trust giving him the ball. Yeah, and reading double teams because I want to say he had like 30 more turnovers than assists. Yeah, he definitely had a negative ratio there, assist to turnover. Yeah, super negative. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. had some really bad misses too, shooting the ball, like some bad air balls, air- yeah, yeah, bricks and bangers. Yeah, so the touches, yeah. you, know, you kind of have to to worry about the consistency of his touch. But if yeah. I team like the Thunder, I'm taking them, and we have no pressure to win. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and the Thunder love long athletic wings like that, too. So he would definitely fit the, the prototype. But it's crazy because I remember McDaniels was going into the college basketball season. He was number seven on my board. Mm-hmm. Right now I have him at 45. Wow. That, that's how bad of a season he had. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's a small chance that he kind of puts it all together because he has, you know, the baseline, a six, nine, seven wingspan. He could put the ball on the floor, but – yeah, the decision-making is pretty bad right now. Well, I'm going to ask a favor out of you. Okay. Would you be interested in coming back and talking second round? Oh, absolutely, yeah. All right, sounds For good. Because sure. I, I want to do a second round. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know you sent me a list, and, and it was pretty extensive. And, you know, it'll probably change between now and, and next yeah. week. But, yeah, I, I would like to talk second round. Okay. You don't have to do, like, the whole 60 but if yeah, you, I think I have – let me check. I don't think I have a list of 60. Oh, actually, I do. My board 
actually stops at 58. And then I have a list of other guys that, like, I have, like, an eye on, but, like, they're not on my board. I don't see it happening with them. But, um, yeah, I mean, we could we could talk second round or whatever length you want because there, there's plenty of guys I could talk about. All right. Yeah, let's let's do it. Maybe even do a second round mock draft, something like that. Okay, cool. Yeah, All right. I think so. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on again. This is like the second time in a week. And so mm-hmm. um, you uh, you have some good news that you shared recently on your social media. Do you mind sharing that with the audience? Yes. So I've, if you saw part one already, uh, you saw that I recently launched the website. It's up now, thehoopjournal.com. Uh, we got a couple articles on there already. Um, we're going to be doing um, like an off-season preview for every team. Uh, we just did the Hawks one. That one's up today. Uh, but I'll be posting one for every team. And I have a podcast coming soon. Um, I still got to work on getting that up. But uh, that'll be up soon. And so follow on Instagram at the underscore hoop journal. And the link to the website is in the bio there. Or you just go to straight to thehoopjournal.com. All right. Thanks a lot. Right. Once again, it's Raphael with Deion Sherman from the Hoop Journal. We just completed the second half of this first round. He's made a promise. You heard him. You you heard it here in the air that, that he'll come back on and do the second round. So I'm looking forward to that. So you too. thanks again for coming on. It's Raphael, NBA Draft Junkies, and I'm out.